necessarily. <laughs> Not coming next week, it's the football. <laughs> Unless you like football. If you listen to this, Louis, you can come. Okay. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Have I missed something? Yeah, you see. It's happening already, isn't it? Verse 10. Verse 9. Okay, we'll do that again, shall we? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Yes, Lord, to you be the glory. My dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though some strange thing is happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Strange, isn't it? For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. <laughs> so when you get a bit of Kentish fruit in the word of God, it's good, isn't it? However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not know and obey the gospel? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Whew. The worship's dangerous, isn't it, eh? These songs are dangerous. Look at some of the words today. Come have your way among us. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. I wonder what would happen if I, me, if I actually sung that and meant it. Come have your way, Lord, in me. I think there's something very obvious when you read this scripture, and that is that there's a link between the spiritual, the scriptural truth and how that should affect our lives. You know, our lives, how we behave to one another within the church and how we behave to one another all needs to come in line with what the word of God says. Now, the word of God here is written by Peter. Now, Peter is a man who God has been sorting out. So it's very interesting that Peter is the man who shares these things. He's a man who's made mistakes and he's had to learn the hard way. And yet, through all his suffering, God trusts Peter to share these words with the embryonic church, which is going under, just undergoing so much persecution. Verse 1 starts with therefore. As we all learnt at school, if there's a therefore, what is it therefore? And I refer you to the answer given by my honourable friend last week. Um, 1 Peter 3, 17, 22 will show you really why verse 1 is there. But have you noticed, therefore, since Christ, 
starts with Jesus. Everything we do starts with Jesus, finishes with Jesus, and lots of Jesus in the middle. It starts with Jesus because Jesus paid the ultimate price. He died on the cross. And when we come to Jesus, we can say, Jesus, forgive me for the sin and bad things in my life. I want you to become my Lord and Saviour. And he forgives us and we become a child of God. We're going to need to hang on to that because when we get to the end, it gets a bit scary because God don't like sin. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh or in the body, I live by faith, by the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. Isn't that wonderful? God now lives in us. He died for us and he now lives in us. Isn't that exciting? Exciting? Yeah? Please talk to me. Yes. Hallelujah. Hooray. <laughs> wonderful. Colossians 1.10 We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. It's not just about being saved and having Jesus in us, it's about bearing fruit. Remember Steve's word, God's fruity people? If you've forgotten it, talk to Steve. He'll get get it off his computer thingy and uh, have a look. It's important. Verse 2, oh my goodness, my version's really scary. So as to live the rest of our time no longer in the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Basically, let's dump sin. We're all together on this one, okay? I don't stand here, the expert. But let's get rid of sin. Remember, we are saints who sometimes sin. We are not miserable sinners who continually get it wrong. That is a foundation part of the family of churches we're in. We are saints of God who do sometimes sin and get it wrong, but we have an advocate, one we can come to. And uh, obviously, see Romans 6 for, for details on that. Verse 3 verse through to verse 6 talks about all the stuff that's going on in the world, and maybe in part we've been involved in that in the past. And now is the time to set that apart The command of God, not the invitation, the command of God is to leave those things alone, move away, and to live differently. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You even look in the news this week at some of the things that people have gone through and they can have so much and yet they've got nothing. David said, I can't remember whether it was during his word or um, at cell, he said, it's time to put our toys away. Is that right? Time to put our toys away. It's time for us to grow up. It's time to put our toys away. It's time to take seriously what God is calling us to do. Jesus didn't say, take up your burden. Take up, I take up my burden. No, he said, take up your cross. The cross has to do with death. Do I live for me or do I live for Jesus? Easy thing to say, as Fred said, do I act on that? Do I live for me or do I live for Jesus? Pray.
It's good we don't video this, isn't it? <laughs> Let me just uh, tell you about three men in the book of Daniel. Um, there were three men. Um, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And another day we look at it, that wasn't really their names because they had God-given names, and these were Babylonian names. It's very important to know who you are. <laughs> That's a little aside, actually. In this world, you might be called something, but God knows what your name is. It was, Ash, it was um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their names, but that's for another day. But, these, but the king Nebuchadnezzar, he was, a, he was a bad king. Boo! And he put up this great, big, this great big monument to himself. And he said to everybody, I'm going to have all this worship music, and everyone is to fall down and to worship this image. And these three men, who were God's people, taken into captivity to serve this king, they said, no way. We are not, we're not going to fall down and worship this, this disgusting and disgraceful image because we worship the Lord God. Nebuchadnezzar was pretty annoyed about this. And it says, if I can find it. The king was furious, this is in verse 13. And he summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the music you will fall, and you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Remember the fiery furnace we did at Sunday school, didn't we? Colouring the flames. Then, he said, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Hallelujah. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold image you have set up. These are amazing guys. They were dead to themselves. They were living for God. They were living for a different kingdom and they were prepared to pay the ultimate price. God saved them miraculously. There are many of our brothers and sisters across this world who do end up paying the ultimate price. Do I live for me or do I live for Jesus? This is why we need to be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. We need to be being filled with the Spirit of God. It's not a time to become complacent. We mustn't become complacent. We need to be dead to ourselves and alive to God. The question I ask myself, how dead am I? How much are you in this still trying to get out? A fair bit, I'm afraid. Jesus said, deny yourself. The Greek means to lose yourself. In kingdom language, that means we find ourselves in him. Denying ourselves could mean allowing Jesus to wash our feet. Now, that would really freak Peter out when Jesus had done that. It might mean Jesus sends us to get a donkey. And maybe someone's going to say, oh, why are you nicking my donkey? Denying ourselves. 
But also, I thought, if I deny myself, then when the enemy comes along and he tries to stick his temptations and accusations on me, there's no landing pad because I'm dead. Do you see? If you're dead, then he can't accuse you of the dead things we did because we're dead and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Think about that one over coffee. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, be sober. Why? Be sober for the purpose of prayer. Brothers and sisters, we need to make prayer such a priority. And wonderful thing in this church is we do. It is the powerhouse. It is the key. Because when we pray, out of our mouth comes what's in our heart. Also, we can have a sense of agreement because we're with one another. And it stirs the prophetic as well. If we just worship and love Jesus, and that's great, we need prayer. We need to come before God and say, Father, what are you saying to us? We want to hear what you are saying. Verse 8 talks about loving one another deeply. Love one another fervently. The word fervent means beliefs that are strongly or sincerely felt, or people who have strong and sincere beliefs. We need to strongly and sincerely Love one another. Not just, well, they're in my cell, and quite frankly, they get up my nose, but I suppose I ought to love them. You know, It's about love, not like. No, no, let's love one another fervently. A little bit more, Julian has to die. Let's love one another fervently. As I mentioned last week about body life, do not be easily offended. That's one of my, that's one of my weaknesses. I'm very easily offended. I get a funny look from someone in this room, and I think they hate me. It's pathetic. I'm just constantly bringing that to Jesus. And it's, it's, it's making progress. But don't be easily offended. Watch your mouth. It's good, isn't it? Let's be careful what we say. Unfortunately, I'm coming back to that later. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think it was Bryn Jones who once said, if you put someone under enough pressure, what's really in there will come out. I know many people in this room have been on mission trips. Uh, John's been to China and Peggy's been, you know, been to China. I've been around the world in, to a few places. And I tell you what, these lovely brothers and sisters who you love Jesus with and you have all night prayer meetings with, you could strangle them when they forget to buy the tickets and you're stuck at the station. <laughs> tell you what, out of our heart, our mouth speaks. We need to love one another. Because when we start getting busy and more people coming in needing to get saved, it is going to get a bit more untidy. We're going to need to love one another. And Julian will find out how dead he is. <laughs> oh boy. Verse 9 is rather exciting, isn't it? Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Now there's also a benefit to this. If you look in Hebrews 2, it says that some people have actually entertained angels and not even known it. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? You think, well, it's in the Bible and that's just for the weird people who watch God TV and they'll let them get on with it. No, it's in the Bible. Abraham did that, didn't he? The men turned up. Lot even did that. That's in Genesis um, 18 and 19. They, they came. He provided food for them. And then the supernatural started breaking out. Gideon, there he was, depressed, fed up. Where are the God of my fathers? I'm stuck in this wine press doing things. Everything's getting stolen from me. It's really going wrong. The man of God comes. He provides food for him. And then all of a sudden, the supernatural breaks out. So it could be 
as we're hospitable to one another. It doesn't just mean bringing people in for lunch. You can take them out of the harvester or whatever. But we can touch the supernatural when we reach out. And probably, not the time now, probably many of us have got stories when we actually believe we may have encountered an angel and something happened. And it uh, happened to us once and it was exciting. But very normal. Verse 10. Verse 10 says this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Another version. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I believe God wants to speak to some people today very clearly from this verse about gifting and also about serving. It says very clearly that everyone has received a special gift. Everyone has gifting. Even the person now who thinks, but I haven't, we have all received a special gifting. So I want to lay down a challenge for people to consider. Come talk to John and David. I feel I've got a gifting in this area. Talk to John and David. Talk it through. Pray it through. Maybe share it with your cell group. Let's start praying for you. Let's start equipping you. Let's start encouraging you. Let the situations and circumstances hone that gift so we can become what God wants us to be. Don't hold back through false modesty and don't hold back through pride and laziness. Well, you know, I'm a bit old for this now. and Well, it's, it's youngsters. Let them get on with it. Or I'm too young. I can't be used. No, no. If you have a gift, let's use it. As I said once before, often we don't like to put our head above the parapet because we get shot at. Well, if I tell everyone I've got this sort of gift or they might think I'm silly and, you know, already so-and-so does it and they're so much better than I am and, you know, all this stuff. But if you put your head above the parapet, you can be shot at, but also you can shoot. Don't, let's not be a body that limps because we've got two or three folk that will not come forward and say, I have this gift that I would like to use and contribute. The body loses out when we hide away. This is so true when we look at 1 Samuel chapter 10 and the story of Saul. Now this guy really was a bit of a case, wasn't he? But he was chosen to be king. The story is that Israel, people's, God's people had demanded a king. That wasn't God's best. That wasn't what he wanted. But in the end, God gave them what they asked for. So here's a little note to self. When you pray, be careful what you ask for. It's not like magic tricks. Oh, we asked for this and God gave us this. No, but it's about let's be serious when we come to God. Let's agree carefully. Let's pray wisely. So Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, who was was really leading Israel, was prepared and big enough to submit himself to the fact that people wanted a king. And God said, you better give it to him. So in 1 Samuel 10, 20, um, Samuel brings the tribes of Israel together and they're kind of chosen by lot. And it gets to the family of Benjamin. And eventually Saul is chosen. It says halfway through verse 21, finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So he was chosen to be king, 
and he wasn't there. It's good, isn't it? So they inquired further of the Lord. They had a prayer meeting to find out where the guy was who God had told them. It's hilarious, isn't it? The Bible's so funny. And they said, is this man not come yet? Where is he? And the Lord said, yes. He has hidden himself amongst the baggage. So here you've got this amazing man who is very tall, chosen, anointed to be king, and he's hiding amongst the baggage. And as I studied this and prepared this, more and more in my heart, I was, I was stirred that there are people in this church, you are hiding in your baggage. I am hiding in my baggage. God is raising up an unexpected people. God he wants to raise up people who feel inadequate, who have come out of a place to be incredibly hurt and bruised from life. And I'll tell you why it can work. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit can change us into another man. Well, Julian, it's all right for you, but you didn't have parents like I had. Well, it's all right for you. You didn't have an upbringing like I had. It's all right for you, June, because you haven't suffered what we've suffered. I probably haven't. Actually, I went through the list in quite a few areas we have, but because of this, I'm not going to share that. It's tough for everyone, but Jesus came. Jesus has turned us into a new man, turned us into a new woman. We are new creations in Jesus. That is not to hold us back. Do not hide in the baggage. Do not default to our little protection area. Well, I can't do that because I'm so fearful. Let's, the Holy Spirit, come upon us. 1 Samuel 10.6 says this. The spirit, and this is Samuel speaking to Saul. He said, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Key thing. Not only the Spirit of the Lord will come upon them and come upon them in power, and you will prophesy with them, not individual. Not, well, I don't get on with the leadership, so God's anointed me and I'm going to do my own thing. No, no, no. He prophesied with them. Be in the body. Be together. Allow God to hone our giftings and and what we feel he has through the leadership, through our brothers and sisters. But also allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us in power. How different would it be if the Holy Spirit came upon us in power? We started to prophesy. We started to have insight into what God is saying to us. As we've been preparing for for Passion for Life, Steve and Darren and and, um, Anthony, they prayed. They sought God. What do we do? What do we do? That's the way to do it. The Holy Spirit says, do this. You need to build bridges. You can't just have a meeting. Yeah? So... Something that we're going to do at the end. We're going to give an invitation to people to to have the Spirit of the Lord come upon them in power. We'll be changed into a the word says we will be changed into a different man. But prophesy with them. It's a foundation of accountability. And we need that foundation of accountability to be together. Now we know that Saul, or if you don't know about Saul, this guy was a bit of a mess, okay? He had a lot of problems and a lot of issues. And he never fulfilled the potential that he had in God through disobedience and through doing things often on his own and off his own bat. He was disobedient to leadership and he wouldn't do what God said. He just loved the praise of men. But when God's Holy Spirit comes upon us, we can be changed. Everyone in this room, everyone who's not here today, especially can be changed when the Spirit of God comes upon them. 
So, we know Saul had character issues. Be filled with the Spirit. Stay in the body. Allow God to hone us. Allow God to work on us. Allow God to change us by his Spirit and deal with those character issues because we need to be a people that move not only in power, but we must be a people that move in integrity. If we only have power... We are a very dangerous church. We are a very dangerous people. If we have power with integrity, then Jesus can build something of his kingdom. I really believe that. That is underlined. And how many times over, what, 25, 30 years now in, in the things of the Spirit, seen it time and time again. Power without integrity, disaster. And it's not only that person that gets hurt. It's a lot of people go off to the desert and go off, die with them. Hmm. But here's a little word of wisdom. Hopefully this will help if it all getting a bit heavy. Remember Paul, the Apostle Paul? Was he a murderer? Yes! Paul was a murderer. It's awful, isn't it, actually? Do you notice, when he got saved, he hit opposition. He never questioned whether he'd been forgiven. He didn't sit in prison in Macedonia after getting beaten up with Silas going... The reason I'm here is because I murdered Stephen and I'm not sure that I'm really saved and it's terrible because oh, God's, God's dealing with me now. No, he was clear. Saved, forgiven. This man must have had such a revelation of the forgiveness of God. And yet what do I do? Start hitting opposition. Oh, well, it's because, you know, I was brought up and chopped on my head as a baby. and No, we're set free. If Paul knew he was set free, then surely we should know we're set free. Don't think we've got any murderers in the room. We might have. But if you're forgiven, it's dealt with. Yes, there are consequences, etc. James talks about that. But we're free. We are new creations. So we can't default to our our position of I was dropped on the head as a baby or whatever. Those things still need to be worked through. I'm not not poo-pooing that. But let's just see what the book says. Paul knew who he was in Jesus. He knew that he was, he was a new creation. Now, if we have sinned badly in the past, if we've suffered terrible things at the hands of others, remember, Isaiah 61 and Luke 4 is in the Bible for a reason, because he can set the captives free. He can bring liberty. He can bring wholeness and refreshment where there is pain and sorrow. It is the favourable year of the Lord. So God can do it. So whenever we encounter challenges, we can seek God from a point of security, knowing who we are in Jesus and not defaulting to who we were in the past. Please, please ask God, what is my gifting? Use that gifting, develop that gifting. We all need to be equipped because we're going to be very busy in the future as more people get saved and need to be loved and cared for, fathered and mothered. So yes, it's more vulnerable to be seen with your gifting. Once you're put up there, there's more chance that people can comment. But we're here to serve God. We're here, the gifts are to serve one another and to serve God, not for our own pleasure and enjoyment. I find leading worship, like the body life worship, I get a great sense of enjoyment. I come alive. I sense of the presence of God. I love it. But there are many hours where it's work and it's study and it's preparation. You don't feel anything or it doesn't feel great. But that's okay because it's to serve others. So the other Saturday morning, I'm in here and I hear all this banging and crashing and 
dust everywhere. I go out and there's John in the kitchen just repairing the cupboards. Don't remember that being on the notices. John gave up his morning to repair the cupboards in the kitchen. Servanthood is the key to greatness. Verse 11. Is this all right? Are you still with me? Yeah, okay, that's all right. I don't know. I'll, I'll go if you want. <laughs> no, I won't go, actually. God's too lovely, isn't he? Um, verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do um, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. We need to watch our speech. We need to watch our speech in the church. Who left the kitchen in such a state? Why wasn't this hoovered? Etc., etc. Things which probably I've said. We need to be so careful when we say that. Because actually what I'm saying is, I've come into the kitchen and no one's bothered to do it for me. We have to be so careful in the practical, everyday things of life. Be careful what we say. Be careful who we say it to. What's, it, what's the word say? It says, Lord, put a guard over my mouth and a watch over my tongue. Something, I think that's in um, Proverbs somewhere. So when we speak, let's seek the Lord's voice and speak that. When we serve, let's serve in the strength he provides. Don't go too long in your own strength. This is something that I've done many times. And then resentment starts to build in. You become the older brother. You know, I'm too tired, but the church needs me. No, no. Be refreshed in his strength. You can serve from a good heart. Remember, it's God who supplies. When we wait on God, he supplies. What does the word say? He supplies seed to the sower, bread to the eater. He supplies the spirit without measure. It's a good deal, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? All I have to do is die and he does the rest. Verse 12 to 16. How are we doing? Not too bad. <sighs> Quite nasty, this, isn't it? This is, again, this is um, in the context of the Roman persecution, which we've covered in previous weeks. But these guys were, were, were undergoing terrible opposition. And um, as I said to uh, Iris the other day, Reading this, it's, it's, it's made me think more of our brothers and sisters who are in terrible plights in countries abroad. And, and um, I just started praying for North Korea. I don't know why, because I care about Hearn Bay, but our brothers and sisters are suffering tremendously out there. We need to be praying for them. And yet the word says, rejoice despite the opposition. I have no right to speak with authority on that. It's just this is the truth of the word of God. They were undergoing terrible persecution. Now the persecution we undergo these days is much more subtle. Bombarding, isn't there? There's a bombarding of changes in legislation, which John was covering recently. Uh, The whole 21st culture thing, 21st century culture, it's bombarding us all the time. But we are a counter-cultural people. Remember that word. That is a a word of wisdom from David. We're a counter-cultural cultural people so finally we come to um, or nearly finally verse 17 for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God and if it begins with us what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel does that verse frighten anybody confuse anybody Two of us, okay. Could someone else come and share? 
That's quite scary, isn't it? (laughs) From experience, it's true. Judgment starts here. Right here. Right here. I'm not going to duck this one. I thought I'd do a nice little word about loving Jesus and everyone would think it was one. Not going to duck this. But on the other hand, we need to be careful to see what the word of God actually says. Always weigh the word of God with the word of God. Don't just take one verse and kind of, oh, that's what's going to happen. Let's weigh the word with the word. Peter doesn't say judgment is starting with a bunch of useless, failing, sinful Christians, does he? It starts with the family of God. It starts with the household of God. He's not coming to a bunch of people who are in a right state. He's coming to the family of God. Starts with God's family. Remember what we looked at earlier in 1 Peter. We are God's special people. We're his precious. We're his beloved. We're his church. So how do you, you know, how does one balance this, 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 this paradox? Well, Matthew Henry says, when God brings great calamities and sore judgments upon whole nations, he generally begins with his own people. I'm going to hand round the tin hats now because I'm going to read three very scary scriptures. But it's in the book. Isaiah 10, 14, uh, 12 says this. When the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for willful pride in his heart and haughty look in his eyes. So when the Lord has finished his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, his people, the people of his possession, it's scary. Jeremiah 25 is even worse. See, God speaking, I am beginning to bring disaster on the city that bears my name. And you will indeed not go unpunished. Don't worry. We get there. It'd be funny if the tape stopped now. <laughs> Ezekiel 9 6. This is quite nice. Slaughter old men, young men, and maidens, women, and children. Do not touch anyone who has the mark. Begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were in front of the temple. Now, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Remember, absolutely remember this, the word of God must always be read in context. Must always read the word of God in context. What's the context? What's God saying? And the Old Testament in in layman's language is, God made man, they had a great relationship, we blew it, we got it wrong, and because we got it wrong, God still wanted to be near us, but he couldn't get close to us, so we had to have sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. And he just wanted to draw us, wanted to draw us, And it got worse and worse and worse. And then Jesus came so that we could come back into his family. That's the Old Testament. In wouldn't sell many books, would you? See, I'll see if that was that was um, that was how it was. So this is heavy duty, and it is scary. But remember that we have been saved by God's very own Son, Jesus. That He has paid the price for us to stand justified before God. So. When testing and judgment comes, it's from a loving father and from a good God, not from a God who's remembering all our sin from the past, because that has done, gone and dealt with. It's really, really important to to be aware of that. 
Remember, if we... um, Sorry. So Jesus is seeking a spotless bride. Not a bride who has a few days off and comes back on a Sunday and gets cleaned up. He's looking for a spotless bride. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, the most scary thing I'm ever going to say from this thing, it may sound old-fashioned and very counter-cultural, but my sin has consequence and it must be punished. Sin must be punished. I can't just say, Jesus loves us, come and get healed. Sin must be punished. If not, God is not just God. If not, God is not holy. He's not pure. Sin is foul. Sin separates us from God. Sin is going our own way. That's why Jesus had to come. It's bad news. Sin is very bad news. I mustn't charismatic up his eyes, eyes it up. It's bad and it needs to be dealt with. It can only be dealt with by the blood of Jesus. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you have sin, you must repent and come to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And he will take that sin away and you will know him as your loving God and Father. It's heavy duty, but it's true. Jesus wants to embrace us, but when we're full of sin, he can't. Jesus is building his church, and I fear if supernaturally a DVD came up on there of my week. I fear. So, right, let's pick anyone by lot in this room, and we'll put your thought life up there, or we'll put your attitude up there. It's frightening. Father, in the secret place, deal with me. In my, as I'm with my brother Steve, deal with me. Talk to me that I can be cleaner, clearer, purer, better attitude to serve you. So judgment does start with the house of God, but let's welcome that as a loving father. I don't have time to expound it, but David sinned in 1 Chronicles 21. He took a census of the people and he sinned. And, and, and God was really angry about this and said, and, and the actual word is, you must be punished. This is to David, the one he liked. <laughs> he was the nice one, despite everything he'd done. And God said, you've got a choice of three punishments. You can have famine, you can fall at the sword of your enemies, or you can fall by the sword of God for three days. And he actually said, let me fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is very great. Brothers and sisters, let's fall into the hands of God. When he brings up the stuff, let's fall into his hands. Let's bring it to his cross quickly and let's move on. We are saints who sometimes sin. We are not sinners who are trying to scrabble up to the cross. Let's be wise. Let's choose to bring pride and selfishness to the cross now, especially if you've been in the things of God for a long time. You know, we've seen the sick healed and we've had this amazing financial provision. And we saw that miracle once and you know, pride can come into us very quickly. We think, I don't need to come again and humble myself. Believe me, we do. Jesus in Revelation 3, he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking to the churches, not to people queuing up at a Billy Graham rally. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to our cell group. He's speaking to this church. I stand at the door and knock. He says, if you open the door, I will come in, etc. It's just fantastic. So let's fall into 
God's hands. Let's submit ourselves to God's hands. It means being vulnerable. Being vulnerable is scary. That's why it's so important that we love one another. As the Holy, now, allow the Holy Spirit to highlight things in our life. Don't get digging. As the Holy Spirit raises things in our lives, let's bring it to the cross. If we're struggling with things, speak to David, speak to John, whatever. Let's, let's try and be a little bit more open because when, when the Holy Spirit really comes in power, we need to be ready. It ain't going to happen if there's sin in the camp, which is a whole thing in itself. Believe the best in one another. Let's love one another. Let's take this stuff and let's just leave it at the cross and move on in newness of life. I'll just read the verse, the verse 19, maybe in, in a couple of versions. Revised English version says, So let those who suffer according to the will of God's will entrust their souls to him while continuing to do good. Their maker will not fail them. We have a maker who will not fail us. Isn't that wonderful? The message says, so if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in your stride. Trust him. He knows what he is doing and he'll keep on doing it. Steve, do you want to just pop up and just play something in the background? Just for five minutes, and literally it will be five minutes, I'll be disciplined to that. Let's just... just like to invite people to stand if you'd like to stand. And um, let this be a time of just doing a little bit of business with God. I believe there are people here who have gifting and you've hidden that gifting. You've hidden that gifting away, whether through fear or through a sense of inadequacy or you're worried about what people will think. You know, this is the opportunity to say, Father, I want to use the gift that you have given me. And if you don't know what God has given you, then ask him. Ask him. You have brothers and sisters around you who love you, who want to support you. And if you're hiding in the baggage, we've all got baggage, we've all got stuff, you know, that hurts, stuff that comes and sneaks in on us. Let's just make that decision again to walk away from that baggage and just to dump it. If you need help with that, then obviously speak to John and David. You know, maybe a process, but let's start that process today. I'm just going to pray now and then we'll just rest in his presence for two or three minutes. Father God, we want to thank you that your word is living and your word is active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we want to thank you that you have spoken to us about friction and causing a spark and it's uncomfortable and I feel vulnerable, don't like it. But Father, we want to be true to your word. We want to be a people who are equipped with power. We want to be a people that can reach the lost and the hurting. Father, you want to start with us, start with the integrity in our hearts. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to speak to us. That we can live our lives more openly before you. 
Father, you will set us free. Father, where there are people oppressed in the body, they will be set free. Where there is brokenness, Lord Jesus, you would, you would bring repair and wholeness. Where that wick is nearly smouldering out, you will gently blow by your spirit and bring flame and bring life. Father, you have spoken about this building being filled with the flames of your Holy Spirit. Father, you even said to us yesterday about the flames coming upon each one of us. And then as we came together, it would be one big flame, and with other churches, bigger and bigger flame. Lord, your fire, your purification is frightening and yet necessary. So here we are, Lord, just present ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Mm. So just uh, what Kay was saying was during the worship, she had a sense that God was saying that we should just receive. Just receive. And it is a gift. And the gift needs to be received and be opened. Father God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on each one of us and that we would have the capacity to receive your Spirit and to receive the gifting that you are giving to us. Receive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Receive in Jesus' name. Good Father gives good gifts. going to give people a chance to have to slip off and have coffee but if you if you would like prayer the prayer that was prayed for Saul that the spirit of God would come upon you in power and that you would prophesy and that you would be changed into another man then just come and see us John and David and Steve and I and we'll pray for you that the spirit of the living God would come upon you in power because we worship a God who does not disappoint So we'll just be available. Thank you for your patience and your time this morning. God bless. God bless you richly and let's enjoy coffee. If you want prayer, just come and see us. Thank you.